Welcome to Hoop Du Jour with me, Peter Vesey, presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. On this episode, we have Bob Ryan, whose reputation precedes him on the fast break. And we'll be talking about Larry Legend, otherwise known as Larry Bird. I, I nicknamed him, I'm proud to say. Uh, holy applause. And we'll also be talking about the 75th anniversary of the NBA and other things. So this is, I'm very excited about today, my interview or Bob's interview with me, Bob Ryan and I getting together talking basketball. How about that? <laughs> yes, long overdue. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever done it at length, just the two of us sitting down and talking. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really weird, Bob, because I, I, I uh, as you know, I'm sure I've told you over the years, you know, one of the one of the best things of covering the NBA in Boston was being there on Sunday morning before a Laker Celtic game or a Celtic whomever game and getting your column in the Boston Globe and reading it that morning. And uh, your, your column absolutely inspired me to start writing my columns. And I remember you, you always ended, you always ended with so-and-so wherever he is, he's raking leaves today or something like that. Right. Yep. I had a <laughs> kicker about a, uh, you know, a semi-forgotten player. It didn't have to be a Celtic either. Right. It was definitely, yeah, that was part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's so very nice to say that because the fact of the matter is that the rest of us in the league were all chasing in your wake most of the time. <laughs> I'm serious. My boss was very attentive to what you were doing in the post and, and far more than the Boston Herald. You were my competition. Friendly, of course. We always got along. Yeah. including on a basketball court. But, but um, uh, no, really, I'm not, this sounds like it's, it's ass kissing of the highest degree, but I'm telling people have to know, this is the truth. Pete Bessie, uh, maybe I, if I inspired you, I'm really proud of that because uh, once you, you picked it up, uh, uh, you, you, you ran with it, you ran with that ball very, very well. Well, I, I certainly was not above uh, stealing ideas from people, you know, like, uh, if like you're ending into the column. So I always looked for a different type of ending, different type, everything, everything, anything that was different was better. And, uh, you know, Ted Green, who we're going to get to later in in this uh, broadcast, uh, this, this podcast is that, uh, I stole the stuff from him too, the way he, the way he wrote his style and, and his aggression on the court too. <laughs> well, I, in just in general terms, forget about basketball in ter general terms of writing, we all inherently steal a borrow and appropriates a nice word. I always like that. That's a much a nice softer, word. a more genteel uh, word, you know, appropriate things from, from other writers. Uh, you, you just can't help it. I mean, I, 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 I've spoken to many a class and, and I say the only original writer that I, I think can say I didn't steal from anybody is Tom Wolf. <laughs> yeah, other than that, most of the other people in the English language, at least American writers, you know, are, on someone else's shoulders to some degree. Tom Wolf, I'll give him credit. He's he he invented something new. <laughs> and and right. and by the way, hasn't been any successfully imitated either. Uh, so uh, we'll give him credit. So so yeah, so you can give him credit, but I I'll be honest with you, I never read Thomas Wolf. <laughs> Not Thomas Wolf, Tom Wolf. The the electric Kool-Aid acid guy, the, the Las Vegas oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Not not Thomas Wolf. You can't go home again. That, that's a whole other matter. No, he's he's is it fine? No, Tom Wolf. The white Tom Wolf. 
The white didn't suit, read, yeah, that guy. Didn't read him either. Didn't read okay. him. <laughs> didn't read. Didn't read Pete Hamill either. Didn't read Jimmy Breslin. I, I was like, Ooh. I didn't want to read those people because I felt that it would slant my the way I approach oh, things. Yeah, I approach that when a lot of times with um, certain stories, but but not in general terms, but certain specifics. I said, oh, I don't want to read this because I don't want to. My I want my mind clear. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm being original here. No, I know exactly what you mean there. So, I, but I, I wouldn't say I had that as a general principle because, uh, you know, those two guys you just mentioned, particularly Breslin, I was a big Breslin fan, but I'm in Boston. You know, I'm not, I was a big Breslin fan. My roommate really put me onto him and uh, at the time back at DC. So anyway, that, that, yeah, interesting. There. He, he worked, he worked at the Long Island Press. That's where mm -hmm. he started. My father was the sports editor of the Long Island Press mm. at that time. And uh, I still, I still did not really, you know, I just didn't read him. But you know, I'm the kind of guy. My my flippant remark over the years is, you know, I don't, I don't read books and I don't write them, uh, <laughs> including including my own. <laughs> when I go back, you know, just speaking of Breslin, um, when I I discovered him when he was uh, in the early '60s, he wrote a, a piece in Sport Magazine about the the college basketball scandals of '61 that I. Uh, used as a basis for a, a term paper in, in prep school, and um, then I just then of course he wrote, "Can anybody here play this game about the '62 Mets, which was a, a baseball classic of the times?" Sure. And that's sure. so that's why. And then I find out, oh, he's this columnist, and you know, writing all these other kind of pieces, and that's yeah. how I got onto him. Yeah, it's funny how things work, Bob. That that scandal, all those people that were involved in that scandal, and even going back to the '50s. I wound up knowing a lot of those people, a couple of them from the 50s, at least one still alive today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's just amazing that you're not only the heroes that you knew, like my Dodges, you know, of the late 40s, 50s and stuff, to meet them later on was like the best thing that ever happened. To sure. Them. But then meeting, meeting these guys that uh, fix games. Dump, dump games, uh, shave points. You know, I, I, I tell everybody I dropped out of Hofstra after my fresh. Well, in the middle of my freshman year, I was playing on the freshman team. But, you know, they, they told me I had to go to class. And I, I felt, <laughs> well, I guess I wasn't going to be enough, good enough to shave points. So I better get out of here. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that people, people, those those. It was really something. And then the St. Joe's team that that uh, went. Exactly. Finished third and they four overtime victory over Utah in the 1961 consolation game of the yeah. NCAA tournament. But yeah, yeah oh yeah, it was it, it, the tentacles were long. And of course, well, we don't we, later yeah. on. Of course, the, we could go on on to that for a yeah, while. Yeah, but let me, let me just say one more thing about you, and I don't want you to come back and say something good okay. about me. But but there was there was a, an out of town newspaper stand on 42nd Street and Sixth Avenue in Manhattan. Hodlings, huh? Hodlings. So, so I would go there every Sunday, and I would pile up all the Sunday papers, you know, from all around the country. You know, obviously yours, and uh, but all the way to LA and stuff. They already had the LA Times there because mm. I guess it came out Saturday night, actually. Yeah. So I would take all the sports sections out of the papers, and I'd leave <laughs> the rest for the guy. <laughs> and the guy would say to me every week, he said, "Well, you don't want any of these. You don't want the magazine sections." I said, "No." <laughs> In fact, I would cut it down to just the basketball if you'd let me. I give me a scissor, and so that that was my. Uh, and, and then I would, you know, my my paper would pay for that. But I'd go with my car, load up my trunk, and that was it. So that was yeah, funny. <laughs> I, know, I learned about holdings from Jonathan Schwartz. 
he used to talk about going to hotelings and uh so uh that's how i learned about it yeah yeah so anyway i want to tell people why why you and i are here to, today um i tried to get larry bird to do a podcast with me and you know he and i had a really good relationship over the years as you wrote his book you had a great relationship with him um but his lawyer his lawyer told me that larry's not doing anything anymore uh he's no longer working for the pacers he he stopped working for them three, four months ago as a consultant, mm -hmm. and he feels that he has put in his time. He's done his he's done his dues as far as you know, catered to to the media and anything the club wanted him to do in the community and stuff. And he doesn't have to do that anymore, and he's not going to do it anymore. And I I even offered her Giulioni, right? Yes. I, I even I even offered her. I said, you know, tell Larry I'll come down to Florida where he is right now. I said I'll help him clean his garage. Come on, <laughs> let me, let me. As, as we know, right? He's a yeah. he's a clean freak, right? Yeah. Oh, I can tell you that. He's a neat right. freak. Right. He's, he's Felix Unger. People don't know this. Right. So so anyway, so that went nowhere. So I said, you know, the, the the next best thing is to get Bob Ryan, who wrote his book, wrote one of three books or more. Did he do more? Uh, he did two with Jackie McMullen. Uh, so, so did you read one with he one with Jack and then he uh, with Irvin about the uh, with, uh, with Magic about the uh, seventy nine whole thing, and uh, when the when the game and then the whole the, their their relationship throughout the eighties when the game was ours Jackie uh, did with it with him. She, she did. She did both of those. Yeah. Did you read them? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. very I'll much to, so. I have to read them someday, but but <laughs> you know, I always felt I didn't have to read them because I was so close, so close to them for those for those years. But I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you what I tell most people when I interview them, either on camera or off. I said, you know, with Bob, I know when you go places, you know, you just said you go to classes, you teach classes. I'm sure you you go to uh, speak in front of uh, you know a lot of people for whatever reason, and you tell. Bird stories. They want to know bird stories every every time. Okay, I don't want to hear any of those stories. I want to hear all the stories you don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, <laughs> you know they just the best ones center on the week I spent at French Lick in the summer of 1987 when we were interviewing the doing the interviews that were the basis for the book, that the interview process that I needed to do the book. Because it was a first-person book, Larry Bird, you know, with with Bob Ryan, and I spent a week at French Lick, and uh, at the house, and we sat around every day, and you know, except for one day we went to play golf. As a couple of stories came out of that, he had a, he was playing at a, at a charity golf tournament, but um, uh, Larry, you know, it, it was it was a fun, it was a very interesting week. One of the things you'll be interested in knowing is he had some visitors that week. You know, Larry was always, you know, including um, Rick Carlisle and uh, Eric Bernstein. And uh, Larry was always very, always had a guy or two who wasn't a star at the end of the bench that he befriended. Uh, it was, you know, um, not that he was unfriendly with his the big names, although he and Kevin weren't buddy, buddy, believe me, they, 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 they got along, but they weren't, they really didn't understand each other, quite frankly, <laughs> off the court. And uh, uh, maybe they do now, but um Anyway, we had visitors, and and it was a it was a good social week. But uh, yeah, uh, it was it was very interesting. But one of the things that I learned is don't leave anything lying around the house because Larry doesn't like uh, loose ends. He wants, and you should see his closet. Uh, you know, lo looks like the the general was coming for inspection. And right. yeah, I mean, he's just uh, very much of a, of a neat of a neat guy. You know, he likes he doesn't like clutter. He was a white glove player. Does not like <laughs> clutter. Um, 
Yeah, so Seasting, when I traveled with the Celtics in 86, like you said, Carlisle was one of the guys that we went out with after games. And uh, Seasting, Carlisle, Walton, Bird, and myself, which we'll, I think we'll, we'll talk about that, you know, in the, in the little interview I did with him in his office in Indiana, I don't know, five, six years ago. I don't really know exactly. Just kept it on the side all these years. Um, but but so maybe maybe we'll um, you know I have said the same thing to him that I said to you about you know I like to know stuff that wasn't in the book and he said that his lawyer would take out a lot of stuff in the book and and I said why was that he said well you know he was just he had these contracts with the teams and he had contracts with advertisers and she didn't want certain things in I said well that's what I want I want those <laughs> yeah. for my book you know. <laughs> Well, now, when I did the book, uh, it's true. Bob Wolf uh, did get his hands involved and got involved with it. He wanted to sanitize it a little so that the grandmothers would like it. I, that's the way I looked at it. That's what I tell people. So, um, you know, I, I did. I really did in that sense have the final say in that regard. Yeah, sure. Larry didn't care. I don't think it was Bob Wolf who cared. Yeah. Right. And Jill. Jill worked for. Yeah, for that's how. That's how that relationship started. And she's right. still, it's Larry's. You know, aid to camp. Uh, so me, all these years. Let me let me press you a little bit with the ball here. Let me press you before you get over the half court line. Um, can you remember anything that was taken out? You know what? It's forty years now. Uh, Thirty thirty four years. I I don't really remember uh, exactly what. It wasn't anything salacious at all. But right. Wolf was just so worried about Larry's image and 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 who was going to read the book and who they wanted to read the book and and. Um, Right. I just so I just chose to phrase it so that yeah, a book that the grandmothers would approve of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about you know, so well we're uh, a little different, I, Bob. I, I remember everything that any editor ever took out or changed <laughs> in my columns and, and I've never <laughs> forgiven them either. So there we are. <laughs> yeah. I well, no, I really don't I I, I let go. I let go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't why don't we why don't we watch this little segment that I has like 33 minutes or so we did in his office? And if you want to stop it at any point, be 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 you know, be on your own, do what you want. Okay. And otherwise we'll listen to the whole thing and then we'll comment afterward. Okay. So I'm I'm writing my memoir. I'm trying to. And uh, you know, one one of the best chapters is is about you. You know, that trip I took with you at 86. Yeah, remember that. I ran into Shaughnessy last, a couple of years ago, at, at a all-star game in, uh, in Arizona, a baseball game. And he said, uh, let me ask you something. I want to tell you something. He says, the best time of your life as a reporter was 86 traveling with us on the West Coast. And I said, you're right. But the long road trip. Remember, we started off, got beat by Sacramento right after the all-star break. And you missed two free throws. I missed two free throws. Tell me, tell me, just give me some remembrances that I can check my well, memory on. Well, the, the thing that we always did, you know, that people don't understand, it's a little different now, but our longest road trip was after All-Star break. So when I went to the All-Star game, or whoever, Kevin and, and Robert, whoever, we'd leave on a Thursday night or a Friday morning, and we'd go through the All-Star weekend, then we had to catch a plane to where we was at, and we was gone forever. You know, we was gone like 17, 18 days. Right. Uh, plus... Uh, one of the things is when you got back, you had a, a practice, but that first game was always a killer. And I knew it every year. It was always a killer no matter who we played. And <clears throat> going into that game, you know, they, they were playing pretty well. We was disorganized, 
organized, but you still got to give them credit to beat us. But, you know, playing in a, in a place where very rowdy fans and that little box they had out yeah. there was a fabulous place to play. I loved to play in there. <laughs> but you could just tell we wasn't in sync. Right. And, uh, you know, as the game went on, uh, we fought our way back, got into, got into it. I think we were down, I think, three or maybe two, and I missed him two free throws. And everybody just sunk their head. And we were so pissed off the next day. We I can remember being in the, in the arena, and they were in there. Okay, yeah, so we, you stayed over, and then you practiced in the arena. I remember this, so go on. So, we so wanted, what did you do? We wanted, to, we wanted to buy their locker room and try to get them to come out and play us again. <laughs> not we. Not we. You did. I See, I recall you going in there. You going in there and challenging them. Well, it was bullshit, you know. I mean, you get off on a road trip knowing you got to play Portland, the Lakers, and that Utah after you play the Lakers. You know, I mean, just all these games that are tough games. And you start off by playing like that. Come on, I mean that, that's not the way we were. But I always knew that was going to be the tough, probably the, one of the toughest games on the road. You know, the Lakers were always tough, and Portland was always tough. But that first game was always a killer. But the funny thing is going in the locker room. See, that's, that's what I remember. And and those guys, you know, I knew a lot of those guys. I mean, Ray Williams was in there, Reggie Theus, and, and they're like looking at you like, like I'm an oh my God, what is with this guy? Yeah, come on out. What you said? You challenged them, right? Well, I can't remember, but I wanted to play him again. You did. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay, so my memory's good on that. Yeah, I think you, know, you, 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 tend, you tend to forget a lot of the little details, but right. it happened. But right. I thought maybe some other guys were with me, but maybe they weren't. No, no, you were Because I followed you in. I followed you. Okay, so that's one. I, you know, I'm finding out, Larry, that when I'm doing this is like, a lot of the stuff is not correct. I have to look it up. And yeah. I can't look that up. Yeah. But I look stuff up. I said, wait a minute. Wrong yeah. game. Wrong year. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Okay. So now, so now you practiced, and now do you remember? Do you remember us playing one on one? I remember you kept asking me to play. I played against Doctor J. I played against this guy, this guy. And I said, "Yeah, I'll play you." Whatever. Right. Do you remember anything about it? Well, I tried to win. I'm sure <laughs> of that. I tried to win. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know what you you wanted to play, so let's play. Okay, so the first the first play you got it out, and I I hand checked you. Do you remember what you did? I slapped it off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I do everybody. Right. Okay, you slapped me as hard as you could. I couldn't feel my left hand. <laughs> I didn't hit you that hard. Yeah, you did. And you said and you said uh, you want to you want to play. You want to fuck around. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's my memory. I, one thing I've learned is. Especially when I got out and I was out there messing around with Jeff Foster a little bit, that you don't go out there. I mean, pro athletes when they're in shape like they are, and they're used to getting hit and beat, and your body just absorbs it and you don't feel it. Yes. But when somebody else walks out there, I hadn't been out there, and you do something, you go, "What the hell's that?" And you don't even know you do it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. I see people go out there with these guys and, and try to mess around, and they get hit, and they go flying, and they get up limping and stuff. They have no business out there. These kids are so, you know, even now, today, they all that core strength and everything they do, they're strong. Well, fuck, fuck them. Let's fuck not them. Them. <laughs> I, I, I appreciated that you did that. I, 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 that. I got off on that because, okay, now, you know, I know it's for real, and let's play. So, you know, whether your memory's correct or not, or mine is, but I, I believe you beat me 11-5. So, I, I mean, I scored. And everybody's watching. Everybody scored on me. Except <laughs> you just scored five? Oh, fuck you, Larry. Man. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> I only got five. <laughs>
I was very happy story <laughs> because I have played guys that shut me out. Sure. You know, Dick Barnett shut me out. Yeah. And and when he's got the ball, it's nine nothing. He's got the ball and he's in the air and he and he goes. This is what we call. This is this is what Gary Indiana. This is what we call a black wash. A black wash. Boom. Ten nothing. Yep. But uh, all right. So so you know. And then we went out a lot on that road trip. And uh, you know another, another great memory before I get to the going out was, was in Portland. You you had a phenomenal first half. Mikhail did not play the first half in Portland. And you had a great first, you had a great game, but the great first half, most with the left. And Mikhail, as we're going at halftime, he yells out to them. He goes, Wait till he goes to his right. You remember it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Larry, there was so many great lines on that trip. So many. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it was. You know, I mean, we had, well, Kevin. He had Bill. Uh, even Jerry Sissing was pretty witty, but he wasn't boisterous and loud. Then you had Danny. You know, I mean, you had a bunch of characters on that team. That the thing about it, they were going all the time. Uh, but there comes a time when you know when the game gets gets we get ready to go in the locker room. You know, I like to be quiet and you know, oh really, really subdued. But them guys would just go nonstop. But that's their energy. That's how they. Sort of got it out. I, mean, I remember in '84 in the locker room in a game seven, ML Carr was running around checking everybody's heart, and Danny was just going a mile a minute. And I had to go into the room just to start focusing because that was their energy. That's how they got it out. Right. right. You know, that's nervous energy is what it is. And we had a lot of that on our team. Right. Yeah, well, that was, that was, I love the nervous energy. I mean, again, on that trip, Danny Ainge brings his kid. Austin, who's now working with him, right? right? And had nobody watching him during the practices. I'm watching. I mean, do you ever? You ever seen that before? No, never before, never after. And Casey said afterward, if you remember, no more. Because he had a terrible, <laughs> terrible trip. Terrible Kevin, trip. Kevin told him he was going to have a terrible trip. That's why he has a terrible trip. And Kevin, and Kevin was on his ass. You know, do you remember this? Like, stop. like in the in the bus, I remember him, you know, yelling out to Austin, 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 check your dad's bag, see if his jump shot's in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin put Danny in a slump in a heartbeat. <laughs> but then, but then made his career by giving him Garnett. Yeah. <laughs> but that that team was different. I mean, it was really different. I mean, most coaches couldn't handle that. Uh, you know, KC was. Um, Loose type guy and and uh, you know just like all access you know uh, yeah. the guys would uh, you know just be themselves and he was fine with that um, you know all them years I played with played for KC only two times he got really pissed only two times what are they one of them was in Atlanta they were up twenty one I think at half and uh, he. Uh, he thought we embarrassed ourselves, embarrassed the organization because they were high five and a half time and, and laughing at us. The crowd was going, "Is in Atlanta," and he made a point to us that, that this is not how this franchise was built. This is not what it's all about. We end up winning the game, but the other time was him and DJ when DJ first first got there. They got into it, and he was really mad uh, about practice. No, it wasn't about practice. It was about something during a game that happened, and they got into it, and, and Casey made it known that he was the coach. And, uh, and he just told us, you know, you know, I'll be very fair with you guys, but don't embarrass me out there. 
uh, waving me off or whatever happened, you know. Right. And we never had that problem again. So, you know, the only two times I ever seen him mad was them two times in all them games we played and all the practices. Now, the practices, <clears throat> you got to understand, we come in there, <clears throat> especially uh, with Case, he'd have us do what he wanted to do and get all that cleaned up. Then we, he might leave, him and the coaches might leave, and we scrimmage. We would have our own scrimmages and do different things, our own workout plans or whatever. And he didn't care about that. Now, there's a lot of times I go to, to him, not a lot of times, but sometimes I go to him because I just see DJ in the locker room. He didn't want no part of this stuff today. And I go out and say, Case, if you want to have a decent practice, tell DJ to get up on the stage. We had a stage here. Just let him sit there because he's going to just disrupt practice. He ain't going to go hard. And he come out, and there's DJ. He's talking to DJ. And DJ go with a big smile on his face and sit up How on the stage. How could you tell? Because he come in and goes, man, I don't feel like doing this shit. You know, I played 38, 40 minutes last night. Right. You know, I don't want to do it. And, and I knew KC wanted us to run a little bit. So you just go to him and tell him. Right. And and DJ thinks he got something over on us, but we already knew that. But, you know, you take a guy like Perry, so I never seen Robert ever miss a practice. You know? The one thing about Robert was when practice was over and the whistle was blowing, he was gone. <laughs> but while he was there, he's going to give you everything he had during that time of practice. Now, if he wasn't shooting free throws good or something, he might shoot a few, but right. he blew that whistle, man. He was going D-line into the locker room. The stuff with DJ, you know, we know he had trouble in Seattle. We know he had trouble in uh, uh, in Phoenix. And, yeah. and I remember, I remember Colangelo telling me, McLeod said he had to go. Yeah. He had to go, he didn't practice. <clears throat> did you, did that have anything to do with him not getting into the Hall of Fame Maybe when he should have? Probably earlier, I don't know. I don't know his problems out there. You always hear things. But actually, I loved him. You know, we really liked him. DJ was a, a funny guy in the locker room. And and uh, the one thing DJ knew that he had on all of us, he had the ball. <laughs> he had control. And he'd tell you, too. What in his games, was, he'll say, you tell Kevin if he don't start sitting picks down there, he's never getting the ball. So he dribbled over there, and Kevin would be down there wide open to post, you know, waving like him. He just dribbled back to the other side, and here I come off, or Danny come off. And Kevin goes, what's the problem? I said, once you set picks. You set picks, he'll throw you the ball. Next time he set a pick, he made sure he got to it. Isn't that the mark of a great point guard? Well, you know, he never was a point guard. That's well, the thing that kills The mentality? Me. Yeah, but but that's control. He was saying, hey, you're going to do it this way, or, or you're not getting it. And, uh, you know, DJ really didn't care about shots or anything like that, but... By God, if he had that ball, he's going to dictate where it went. Yeah. I mean, it was always like that. We all knew that. Right. Right. I mean, a lot of people don't know that, but that's the way it was. Right. I knew that. I remember one time we played in New York. I didn't score in the first half. He came up to me after. I said, what's the problem? I said, I just said, I don't know. I said, uh, something ain't clicking here tonight. He goes, well, every time you come off a pick, I'm looking the other way. And, you know, it's just all we was out seeing. Second half, I had 25. He made sure he came to my side every time. He said, I'm coming to your side every time. We've got to score, and you got to score a lot of points for us to beat him tonight. So it just, I mean, it just, it's funny how he did it, but he was, I never looked at him as a point guard. Tony Archer no, no, you're a point guard. You no, know? definitely. But he knew that he had something on us that, and just like I told him, well, I ain't going to get the rebound, and he said, well, hell, I'll go get it, you know? <laughs> He said, I don't get the rebounds. I don't care. Great rebounding guard. But he, he was he was a special player. I mean, he was special. and and uh, But the one thing he had on was he had control. He knew it. Right, I, want, I want to come back to the Knicks afterward. But I just want to just zero in on this 86 thing. So um, 
you know, again, total access, like you said, Casey. Yeah. I mean, he let me practice with your team. I mean, I was running with the second unit, that four-on-four thing yeah. where you had a you had to cross half court four guys before you could shoot. Right. I, mean, I was dying. I was. Oh dying. yeah. And Wedman's yelling at me. That's know. a killer, man. Yeah. I, get the, you know, Danny's yelling. <laughs> you know, get him out of the game. That's a killer. Oh yeah. So anyway, so um, and we go out to eat, and I know, you know, Walt and I know introduced me to you. Basically, is I mean, he kind of vouched for me or something. I I, I feel to get me. T- to be able to go out with you guys for dinner, us, Seasting, Carlisle, right? I mean, is that the way it happened? Is, why did you? My my publisher wants to know why the fuck would you go out with me? Well, and, you, know, you gotta understand. There's other other writers that go on the road with us. That's what uh, Mike Carey used to go. Smurf used to go with us out to eat. Uh, him and Danny was pretty tight. Um, Bob Ryan on occasion, you know, maybe once every two or three years. Then later on, it was Jackie. She'd go with us. Uh, but it wasn't like you were the first one. But Bill sort of dictated where we was going to go eat and who was going, really. It was just the four of us every time. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the trips, like after games Five in, in Boston, Bill said, hey, you want to go out to eat after game? And I get there, there's eight people. You know, me and my I, wife and six of them. Right. So you never knew. Right. Did he pick up the check? About every time. <laughs> that was, well, that was another thing I noticed, you know, when we went out. Everybody paid for themselves. Yeah. And, uh, they, you know, they're interested in these types of things, you know. So you're going out with Bird, Walton, and he's, and everybody's paying for himself. I said, yeah, that's the way it worked. That's, yeah. that's what we did. Yeah, well, you get, you get the per diem, so, you know. Right. But, but Bill bought more than anybody. You know, I mean, if Bill really asked you to go, he felt he was obligated to pay. Right. A lot of times with Kevin, Kevin made sure he paid, you know. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if it averaged out, but uh, Bill, Bill was really the ringleader. You know, it's like the guy when you play golf, he always makes the games and everything. That's what Bill did. Right. Did you did you go out with Patty Hurst at all while uh, No, but I seen her in his basement one time tied <laughs> up. I saw him in the, I saw him in the trunk. Yeah. He uh <laughs> don't, don't think Mikhail didn't bring it up quite often. What did he say? Well this crazy, crazy. I'm writing about that because yeah. because Bill you know, Jack Scott, Bill, I mean, well, I mean, you know, the FBI was following him for years. I mean, Bill didn't know what was going on. I mean, you know Bill. You know Bill. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Jesus, I mean, Kevin was brutal on him about that. <laughs> I'll have to ask him about that. Um, so, jumping back to the Knicks, um, I, I ran into Bernard King. He, he and I didn't get along ever. And But he came to the All-Star game last year, and he, he asked me if we could, like, bury this crap, you know. Really? Yeah, and I said, you know, I, I didn't say to him, but I said to my son afterward, because I said, I said, that guy just ruined my fucking chapter. <laughs> I mean, he just ruined it. I said, I'm killing him in my chapter. And he fucking comes over, and, you know. But he told me something that was so interesting. He said that, uh, he said, I'm going to tell you something you didn't know. And he said, you know, I almost played for the Celtics. Now, you know about that? Mm-hmm. He had Wolf. He had Wolf about as a... Wolf, yeah. And uh, he wanted to play, uh, and he, Wolf said, you know, he was a free agent, and he went up there and he met with Cohen and Arback, and they said, you know, like, why, why do you want to play here? You know, we, we have a small forward. He said, I want to win a championship, you know, but they didn't take him, yeah. and then he went to Washington. Yeah, that's after he had the knee injury. Yes, right. and he said to me that you guys were walking off the court after a game or something like that, and you said to him, you know, you cost me a championship. Like if he had gone there, 
Well, I don't. You remember? I don't remember Red ever coming to me to ask me, but but I know when he was hurt, he was out. There was rumblings that he might come to the Celtics, and we didn't know how good he'd be or whatever. But you know, Red was. I never went to Red and told him get a player. I never would do that. I respected him too much, and he also knew what he was doing. You know. Yeah. Uh, very seldom did he asked me about a player. Uh, one time they were after Sidney Green, and Bob Wolf had him. And Sidney decided to go somewhere else. And Red asked me, he started cursing Bob Wolf. So I asked Mr. Wolf about it, and he goes, he goes, they wouldn't pay him nothing. You know, I mean, I think the Knicks got him. I think it's when the Knicks got him. Sure. paid him a lot more money than I said. He goes, it's just business. I said, yeah, but when you're doing that business, remember, I'm on that team. Right. I never said to Red, I said to Wolf. Yeah. yeah. And he says, well, you know, Red will get somebody else. But, you know, I, I can remember when he called me on Bill Walton. Uh, he called me up. Uh, I was in Indiana. And he goes, hey, I just got the strangest phone call yesterday from Bill Walton. And uh, he wants to play for the Celtics. And uh, that's when we was having problems with Max. Remember that year Max was all mad, had that knee injury. and They were accusing him of jaking it. Yeah, everything, you know. They said he'd be back in three or four weeks. He took three or four months, whatever it was. Yes, but, yeah, I definitely but, remember. Uh, yeah. Things got a little bad around there. And, and uh, but he called me on Bill, and I said, look, if Bill's healthy, halfway healthy, I mean, we, we should win it pretty easy with him. I mean, but I don't know how many games he's going to get. Hell, I don't know either. He goes, but he's climbing a mountain right now. Over in, I don't know where yeah, you're yeah. at. Tibet. Tibet or somewhere, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And uh, and that's the only time Red really said, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I said, if he's healthy, we win a championship. He says, I think it's a, then, he, then before he hung up, he said, I think it's a risk we got to take. And Bill ended up playing 80 games that year. Yes, yeah, sixth man of the year. Spectacular. Um, did you know him by, at that time? I met him, and but I never you did, You didn't have a relationship no, with him? not at all. Interesting. You know, uh, uh, I vouch from the NBC. They didn't. They didn't want to hire him. You know, he wanted to come away. They, they were scared to death. Right. I I went to bat for him big time. So Ebersole, our boss, hired him, and and I felt that you know he had set me up with you, and I felt I owed him, you know. And, and plus we got along good. You know, he yeah, he, Bill's a great guy. he took me under his yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he, he was great. Do you consider, or who do you consider? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Oh, which team, all time? I, I say the 86 Celtics. I, well, I we, we, there's a lot of us feel, I don't know about all time, but in the era that we played and the teams we played against, that now Magic thinks his, eight, I think, 87 Laker team was his special team. It's too bad that it didn't come back because our team in the East, his best team, it had been very interesting to see how that turned out. Uh, I just think with, with uh, Parrish and, and, and Bill Walton and, and Kevin and that, that combo there, uh, it just the game was just so easy, you know. I mean, it took a lot of pressure off everybody. Uh, if you got in trouble, you had three seven-foot guys there, and, they, and you get double team. It's easy to throw to one of them because they all could catch it, you know. And it didn't matter. Just get the pressure off of you for a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the, the passing ability, and, and, and Bill was so good around the basket, the angles and doing different things and, and taking up a lot of space. Um, then, then, you know, you had a fresh parish coming in that run the floor. And it's just a different look. So it's the best team I ever played on by far. I mean, it was 84 and 81 went close to that team. Uh, 
but I don't, I don't know best ever, but I, I, I put them up against anybody right. because they were that good. I mean, you got to remember, Jerry Sisson shot 56, 58 percent that year as a point guard right. coming off the bench. Right. I mean, it's automatic. Right. You know, you mess around there, and all of a sudden he's open over there, and you throw it to him, he makes a shot. Right. Uh, Scotty Webman was a dead eye shooter, you know. Yeah. But, uh, it tight on that team, too. you got to remember that we lost a kid from New York. Uh, Played in New York, the left-handed black kid, about six eight, six nine, six eight. Williams. Uh, Sly Williams. Oh. He was on that team, and and Peter. That's the first time I played against him. We were in the training camp, and I was playing. I went to Casey, and I said, "Oh my God, this kid's a lot better than I ever thought he was. He was spectacular." Yeah. And then he, you know he he left and he never came back. But I was thinking, how in the hell does Red get these guys? That kid would have been so good for us. It, it was it was unbelievable to me, but he was he was Lenny Bias before Lenny. Bias. Yeah, but he uh, you know he did his things, but God damn was he good. Yeah, very 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 versatile. Oh, yeah, he could do everything. Yeah. I mean, some of our practice, I went against him, and I was just amazed by him. Then all of a sudden, he just didn't show up anymore. You know, that was the end of it. And that's why we know why. Yeah, <clears throat> but with that team, with him, oh, that you know, it, it never was winning seventy games. You never, you know. Right. You know, the, the thing that we I hear all the time, especially downstairs, back-to-back -back games, four out of five. You know, back in the day, you never heard anybody talk about that. We never did. It was just like, there's a schedule, you go play games, you know. Larry, there's a lot going on I don't like. Yeah, if it's, you it's, want to say anything else about what's going on in the game today, be, well, it's, it's be my guest. Yeah, I, I, I just, different, different. I'm, I'm turning the channel a lot. The thing that bothers me the most about today's game, and, and there's a few things, but the one thing is, you know, guarding these athletes in this league, uh, any air, is hard enough. And when you're running with a guy and, you, and you're playing great defense and he runs and jumps into you and goes away and flips up some wild shot and gets free throws, to me that's not basketball. Sometimes I think our league looks at scoring so much that they know they got to get 40, 50 points from the line to make it look good. But the rule book says you don't, you can't do that. You can't initiate that. No, contact. you don't. Yeah. And you use your body uh, to create space and then get a call. I mean, I don't get that. And that's my big pet peeve, and it's always been that way. And it started with when I played against Adrian Danley. Adrian used to do that all the time. Yeah. You know, jump into you. And, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you just can't, I mean, you're always, you're on defense, but you're always on the uh, a d defensive dis disadvantage right. because you can't get in there and guard the guy because you get too close, you know what's going to happen. And I see it all the time out here. I mean, uh, the other night Isaiah Thomas was was jumping into people and running. And, it's, and, and, and Rodney Stuckey, our own guy, goes in there and he gets a contact like Lance used to do and lay it up. I just don't think, I think that's a non-call, you know. And that's the one thing that bothers me the most about our league. <laughs> right. what, what about the uh, what about the replay? about yeah. speeding up the game, and they, they slow it down to a point where every call is looking at the replay. I, I, I turned the channel. I said, I don't care who yeah. wins. I'm gone. You know, you know what's funny? I was in a, in a meeting up there in New York, a uh, competition committee meeting, and uh, they were talking about speeding the game up. And I said, I don't know if you guys, and a lot of you guys probably have been over in Europe and watched the European game. It's a 40-minute game. Not that ours, I don't want ours a 40-minute game, but it's a 40-minute game, and there's a flow to it. they got less time, always a flow to it. I said, but the one thing, one of the reasons we cannot do that is because the people who pay our salaries want the timeouts at 9, 6, 4, then all the other timeouts. 
but if you watch a European game, it's 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 amazing the flow, the tempo. You know, in the playoffs when I play, I tell people, I said, how can you ever get tired in one of these games by playing? There's just too many timeouts. You know, yeah. you go nine minute mark, six yeah. minute, every you three minute burst. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. then at the end of the game, you you know you always setting down. You're never going. They send a, th- a thirty second timeout. It's a minute and a half. You know, uh, full timeouts, you know, two minutes. You know, I mean, it's just it's no flow to the game like I think they should be. And these are the same guys that are bitching about back-to-backs. You just had how much time? Just sit down and relax. Sure, the game, a what's a game, a minute, an hour 45? They can cut that down to, you know, hour 25 pretty easy, I think. Well, they got rid of the replays. I'm all against the replays. Yeah. Well, what do we have to argue about if you have this stuff? We don't, after yeah. a game. Well, it's, you know, human element, you know. It's just like me with three officials. I go, oh. I, I think some of the best officials ever were back in the day because you could tell them to go fuck themselves, and they'd tell you go fuck yourself, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But they would call the game. It was yeah. two guys. Uh, they got all the stats and all the different things to prove me wrong, but I liked the two-man officiating crew better. So did I. So did I. <clears throat> um, Magic Johnson. Right. Now you, you've always I've told you once that you know you, you never you never told me anything off the record. Do you know what you said? I don't go off the record. You know what you said? There's no record. Right. Did you say? But you said to me. She said. I, you said. I don't care what you write. I don't read your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably yes, said that. Yes, too. you did. Yes, you did. So, uh, Magic Johnson, are you telling me that you really like him? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Because <clears throat> when I played against him, I always wanted to do what he does. You know, control the ball all the time, make all the decisions with it, and I, I just can't do that. But he plays the game the way I always wanted to play it. So I'm not going to say I idolized him, but I, I really liked the way he played. Okay, as a player. <clears throat> I get it as a player. But Larry, <clears throat> he didn't, didn't like you yeah, until, until you beat him. Yeah, well, that's the way everybody is. And then, and then you know, he wanted to be your best friend. You know, same with Michael Jordan. He did the same thing with Michael. Yeah. You know, he just. No, I've always, I've always enjoyed his company. I always liked him. Uh, you know, it all started back in college, uh, but he, he's always been true and fair with me, and uh, I've always appreciated that. Right. <clears throat> well, I just see another side to him. You know how he. Yeah. He got rid of coaches and and. Uh, yeah, I, I know yeah. all that. I've, yeah. I've seen all that and. and Isaiah and their relationship and different things, but well, that's know, okay. That's two never, phonies going up against each other. I never, I uh, you know, I see him probably two or three times a year. We don't talk every week or every month, right? Uh, but uh, I do respect him. I respect the hell out of him. Isaiah, I, you know, I have that memory of you and I sitting next to each other in that press conference in L.A. when yeah. he had to apologize, right? And. Do you remember what you said to me before you uh, before you went up there? I don't know why. I don't know why I'm here, and I don't want to be here. I got I got other things to worry about. Yeah. Something like that. You said you said to me that uh, you know I he said I something like I, I could go up there and bury that little motherfucker. Oh yeah. But my but my my mother likes mother him. Mother kill me. She yeah, loved him. That that's what you told me. <laughs> yeah, she she really liked Isaiah. And the day she died. And why was that? I don't know. She liked Bill Lambert, too. So. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She liked Kelly. She loved Notre Dame and IU. And that was. I get Okay. 
I told her, I, was, uh, I remember telling her, I said, you know, I'm going to whip all their asses on TV so you can see it. And she goes, you leave them boys alone. That's what she told me. <laughs> be nice to them boys. That's great. Isn't that sick, though? Yeah, yeah it's pretty Lambeer, sick. Lambeer is, the, is, the, is a psycho. Well, <laughs> but when your mom tells you, yeah. you know. But did, she didn't know he was a psycho, just the way she he don't care. The, the she, stuff she, he did to my you. My mom did everything. No, she didn't care about it. She said, you'll be all right. I said, they're trying to hurt me. She said, oh, you're all right. You can handle it. That's what she said. <laughs> so you had to handle You had to do what your mom tells you. She, but she loved that Isaiah, and I wasn't going to, you know, I never got in the way with her. I would never say anything to him because I didn't want her to, you know, that was her baby. You know, she watched him in IU, and she thought he was great, and she loved his smile and all the bullshit. But she liked him, so I dealt with it. I never had a problem with Isaiah. I li- I sort of liked, liked him. Uh, I liked to compete against him. And all that, but uh, it just it got to a point where you know, why, you know, really when it, when I look back on all that, even when it happened, the things he said, it was after a tough loss, and you know, and you listen to the recording when Jackie played it for him, you could hear him laughing and, and playing it off. So he's saying, like, fifty percent of he meant it, fifty percent of he didn't. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. I was there when he said it. Other than then I had to go out to L.A or playing the Lakers and do a press conference with him during that time. That was not good timing for me. No. And then and then you were up you were up there and then he started like kind of making excuses for what he said. Yeah. And you and you just got up and left. Yeah, it's time to go. Yeah, you actually said time to go. <laughs> I said what I had to say, you know, I mean it wasn't no big deal. I, I never worry about that stuff, you know, I never bother me. I know how after games it gets tough, you know, you get your ass beat and you're sitting there and you're you know Right, you kill somebody, then you get all these questions asked, and sometimes you say things. Right, I wrote about it afterward. That next that night, I wrote. I was there. I was there for both of them. I didn't make a big deal about it because I didn't feel what the way he said it was a big deal. I wrote it. It wasn't a huge thing, you know. But then, yeah, everyone else just went off the wall. Sure. And it was like, Whoa. Yeah, I thought that was really. I didn't think it, it was called for really. Even when Jackie asked me, you know, I go, well, you know, he's got his own opinion. He doesn't phase me, and it really did. Right. Other than when I had to go out and do the press conference, that's when I was the most right. pissed about it. Right. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, you know, so so a few things here, because I know you only got a half hour and stuff. I wish we had a few hours. <laughs> no, I really do, Larry. I, I remember sitting with Jackie for an hour. We would sit there when he was doing the books. we start off the first three hours. Then we start drinking. She drank a wine, I drank beer. Then they go away. Then we stop. Then she goes, well, you want to keep going? And it just went on for hours and hours. It, it was wild. Yeah, but I can get some good shit out of you, Larry. <laughs> I, I was able to get some good stuff. I mean, I look back at stuff I wrote about you. Was, I'm sorry. Was finished? Your 130 is ready. Okay. okay. Um, all right. So, so real fast. So I always, you, you know, I never wrote a book. You're the only one whose book I would have written. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, I said that to everybody. I said, you're, you're my favorite player. The, the problem is we have to go back and Jill, my agent, goes over and she took out a ton. The first one, Bob, took out a ton of stuff. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> know, I, oh, really? Well, can I have that? Can I have it for I don't even know where it's at, but oh, she took God. out a ton of All stuff. All right, so, so, the, so the last thing, I just want to tell you that. So the last thing is, will you write my book? Yeah, sure. Oh man, that's great. How many? How many? Uh, you know, I, I don't know how long. I, I'm just saying it. Would you do it? And then yeah, because this, you know, even if you just wanted to talk it, and then you know, I would write it or have somebody else write yeah, it. Yeah, no big deal. And I only the truth. Yeah. I mean, it's 
it's the truth. It's like I just uh, yeah sure. Oh, I man, that's great, Larry. All right. That concludes my 2016 interview with Larry Bird and part one of my conversation with Bob Ryan. Be sure to listen to part two when we break down what, we, what you just heard and what we just heard and share a lot more stories you don't want to miss. A lot of them are untold. Thank you for listening to Hoop Du Jour with me, Peter Vesey, presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. You can listen to all Hoop Du Jour interviews by searching Legends Studios wherever you get your podcasts. 